Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Today, we're talking about raising girls and how we can help them discover God's perfect, unconditional love and how our daughters don't have to be perfect to receive God's love. It's hard enough growing up in this crazy world without piling on guilt and fear of failure and living a performance-based life. How can we raise our girls to have a strong foundation of faith, to know the one who holds her heart so she can confidently face the challenges of growing up? The girl who knows she's loved will never need to look for love in all the wrong places like I did during my teenage years. I made all the mistakes because I didn't understand there was a God who cherished me deeply and had a plan and purpose for my life. I figured it out eventually, but not until I'd made all the mistakes you can make. So let's talk about what we can do to develop strong relationships with our daughters before the teen years hit and the crazy kicks in. Lynn Cowell is our guest today, and she is part of the Proverbs 31 Ministries speaker and writing team. She's the author of several books written for women of all ages, and her newest book with co-author professional counselor Michelle Niedert is called Loved and Cherished, 100 Devotionals for Girls. Lynn calls home North Carolina, where she and her husband, Greg, and the occasional backyard deer are adjusting to life as just us. Along with their three adult children, the Cowles love hiking, rafting, and anything combining chocolate and peanut butter. I would have to agree with you on that, Lynn. (laughs) Welcome to the Mom to Mom podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. We're thrilled to have you today. So how do we teach our girls to discover God's unconditional love? You know, I'm sure that there are many ways to teach our children to discover God's unconditional love. But I think that what they see right before their very eyes is the way that we love them. You know, during various seasons of my life, I have loved the story of what most people call the prodigal son, the one that's found in Luke 15, um, 11 through 32. But, you know, in the last few years of my life, I've gravitated more toward the title, the loving father or the forgiving father. See, our kids' hearts and minds soak in the way that we respond when they need unconditional love. I looked up the word unconditional yesterday, and it means not limited by conditions. So how do we respond to them when they lie to us, when they get that bad grade, when they show the pouty attitude on the ball field that's embarrassing to us? When we tell our kids that God is their father, it only makes sense that they will then make a correlation to how we as their earthly parents treat them. And I know that puts a lot of pressure on us and that's exactly the opposite of what we wanna do is put pressure on parents. They already feel enough pressure to, you know, quote unquote, produce perfect kids. And we can't be perfect, that's like not even humanly possible. But what it really means for us is that we, you and I, we have to be in close daily relationship and communion with our father so that his heart naturally flows out of us to them because we are already filled up with his love for us. So as a parent of three adult kids, we never know what's going to come up in the lives of our kids. You know, I know, Kate, you've been down that road. And 
you know, we pour this love into them, believing and praying and trusting God that the full ramification of that love will come back into their life. But I'll just tell you, there are so many things that I wish I could do differently. And one of them would be this, is that I would be more the parent that shows unconditional love, especially during those trying parental times, those times that you want to pull your hair out and those times when you're crying to God on your knees saying, my heart is broken because it's during those most trying times that our kids need us to love them unconditionally more than ever. Yeah. And I would just add to that, you know, expecting that our kids are going to, you know, disappoint us or um, break the rules or mess up because they're imperfect people just as we are. And, and certainly there has to be an element of repentance there and restoration. But then when all of that happens and maybe even a consequence has to be, you know, doled out or they receive a natural consequence because of their sin, because of their um, choices and mistakes, that we would still stand with them when they face the fallout of those consequences, because that's what God does for us. He absolutely does. Mm -hmm. I think too, that, that we need to model God's grace you know, he's shown it to us so beautifully. And I know I don't deserve God's love, yet he pours it out on me daily. And there are times that our daughters, all our children are going to do things that are wrong and that deserve punishment. But every now and then, what if we just offered grace instead? What if we say, you know what, you, what you did was wrong, but instead of punishing you this time, I'm going to excuse your wrongdoing and wipe it away. You're sorry for what you did. And I know that you know it was wrong. So let's just leave it there this time. Let's let's leave it there and just go get ice cream. And I mean, I don't suggest doing that every time, but every now and then, especially when they're little, it's just a good reminder of what God did for us. He wiped away every sin and he nailed it to the cross. Sins deserving death, yet he let me live. So how can I not offer grace to my own child? I mean, every once in a while, I think it's a good reminder to them and to us if we connect it to what he did for us. You know what I mean? Just offering that, extending that grace that we don't deserve and that they don't deserve. But sometimes it's just a good reminder of what he did for us. And I think, Kate, that's such a good example of why in our parenting, we have to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit will guide us and tell us, hey, this is the time. It's really important. You know, they need to experience um, a, a punishment or a consequence but he'll also tell us when this is a time when your child needs you to wrap your arms around them and tell them, I get it. I'm human too. Yeah, absolutely. And to allow them to, to hear and listen for the Holy Spirit too. I think sometimes I know for myself, I'm so quick to nag or, or um, call out little, little infractions or, or little disobediences instead of calling upon God to be faithful to my kids in, in um, speaking to their hearts. He will do that. His word promises. So I can pray that the Holy Spirit would convict them even before I open my mouth. Yeah, absolutely. And he will. <laughs> and I think the older they get, they will, as they learn to hear his voice, they will yes. learn that. Yep. So Lynn, we live in an uncertain, scary times, particularly now with all the COVID crazy that's going on. So how do we teach our girls that they always have God's protection? Um, recently, I was doing a wonderful study by a dear friend of mine, Barb Roos, and it's called Surrendered. 
And in it, Barb said this phrase that has just really captured me. God's protection is God's presence. And I really believe that, you know, God promises us that in uncertainty and when we're scared, he's with us. One verse I often quoted to myself when I was a teen um, was Joshua 1.9. I have I not commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I, I don't think there's anything more that we can give to our child than for them to know that God, the all-powerful one, the omnipotent one is with us. If they are his child, then our children, no matter what they face, and we all here know that they're going to face a lot in this fallen world and it's going to be hard, but, but they won't go alone. And the one who loves them so is with them always and forever. Again, I just think this is one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children, that when they are God's child, no matter where they go, God will be with them and he will help them right there, wherever they are. Mm, that's so good. So good. I also think, um, I think that they need to see that lived out on us, you know, that we have that strong faith in God's protection and his presence and that we're modeling that. But how do we help our daughters build that strong faith um, to face the challenges of growing up in a changing world? When my kids were growing up, we made spending time with God a family daily thing. So every morning at breakfast, at, you know, I kind of had this like breakfast with Jesus kind of thing, you know, like as they filled their bellies, I filled their hearts with God's word. And actually, that's one of the reasons I started writing devotions for teens and tweens was because of this daily morning time that um, me and my kids were having together. You know, I really believe that this consistent time, though it, it wasn't very long, it taught them to see that spending time with God and reading his word is a priority. It's uh, a priority as in, you know, start your day with him priority. And, and then I also began to get them their own study Bibles and devotional books pretty early in their life. And then I encouraged them to also spend time with Jesus on their own. You know, as our daughters, our, our children face the challenges of their own lives right now, whether it's girl drama, bullying, grief that's come with COVID, so many disappointments in their lives. We need to listen to their hearts and listen to their pains. You know, just like when we pray, the father listens to us and, and we need to listen to them first. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking of lately is that I'm afraid that when my kids were younger, that I was really quick to throw a verse at them. You know, like when something was wrong or they felt sad about something, I would, I was quick to just, you know, give them a quick verse. And you know what I'm afraid is that sometimes they felt dismissed. Mm. Like, well, it's not okay to feel disappointed. It's not okay to feel sad. It's not okay to feel even angry um, because I was quickly telling them what God's word said. And while I know that that's important, I also know it's important maybe to listen first so that first they know they're heard, just like God, he always listens to me first before he tells me my next step. So I just really think it's important for us to remember, especially during COVID when, when things are so hard right now with back to school and what are we going to do in the spring and all of that is to remember that our kids are not problems to solve, they're people to love and, and let them get the hard stuff out. And then with all gentleness, we can help them to see how God's right here with us. He's right there with them. 
You don't, you know, we didn't just wake up one day and had a strong faith in God, right? It was something that grew and it took time. And just as our kids are growing physically, spiritual strength is growing slowly and over time, but it absolutely can begin when they're young. That's so convicting, Lynn. I, I, I'm completely guilty of using scripture as a silver bullet sometimes and not taking the time to really listen to their heart cries. And yes, scripture is the answer to our heart cries, but you know, God in his graciousness to us listens to us. And, and how should I not also listen to them before I just, you know, am quick to snap with a, you know, quick fix solution from scripture. I love that you said our children are not problems to solve, but people to love. That's, that, that's so good because so often we, we just look at them as a big problem, you know, especially if they are causing trouble or, or they are difficult or hard to raise or that, you know, they've got issues. They can just become this big problem that we feel like we need to solve rather than this is a child God gave me that I need to just love and Lord help me figure out how do I love them well and how do I help them, you know, how do I help them? How do I help solve whatever issues that they're dealing with, but not look at them as the problem. But another thing that I, I've always felt, you know, to, to help them face these challenges of growing up in this changing world, you know, I think that we have to model what I've always said that what, what we model, they will follow. What we do, our children are watching us. They're watching what we do. If, if they see us reading our Bible, if they see us doing devotions, how they see us handle life is how they're going to do things. You know, they're, they're, we're the ones that they're watching. So what they see us do is what they're going to do. So I think if they see us doing these things and going to church and handling life in a biblical way, that's how they're going to approach things. That's going to be their barometer and the way they, the way they handle life as they grow. change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to his word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September and Co Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be?
So what advantages do kids have who know that they're loved by God? Um, you know, as me and Michelle were, were writing our new book, um, Loved and Cherished, I began to think of um, it's important to pour God's word into the, into the hearts, especially of young girls. And, and when we do, what advantage do they have? Um, and so I, I've thought of five different advantages that a girl has who knows she's loved. And the first is a risk taker. Um, it makes me think of your book, The God Dare, Kate. Um, you know, we live in a culture that is adverse to taking risks because when you take a risk, there's always the potential for failure. But if we think about how our life starts out, I mean, think about a toddler. You don't tell a toddler, don't try to walk until you know you can walk. I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? You know, we, we let our toddlers get up and fall down and get up and fall down. So when does that message change? At what point does it change to the point of don't try something unless you are positive and sure that you can do it? Um, you know, I think of, of verses I, that I used to share with my kids a lot, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's a great verse. But what about when I do the thing and I fail? You know, what then? Well, I love the verse where Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. To me, when do you need help? Well, you need help when you fell down. Yeah. You need help when you failed. You don't need help when you're busting it and doing good and successful. Even then, he is with us. And so I feel like the child who knows that they are loved can know that whether they get it right or they completely mess up on every level, God's with them. He's for them. And more than all of that, he's crazy about them and nothing they do or will do changes that. So with that level of security, they can go for it and they can take good risks, even if they fail. And, and I've been thinking about how it's not really failure, it's learning. Mm. Um, the second thing that I really see in the life of uh, an advantage that a girl has who knows that she's loved is she's a drama defeater. The more we study God's word, the more we see all of the ways that God's ways seem upside down, at least from the way we typically see things. Um, so let's look, for instance, at Mark 12, 31, that verse says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So when I first read that verse, it seems like a little selfish to me, love others as I live me. So like, I have to love me first. And the answer to that is yes. And again, that's why we wrote loved and cherishes to help a girl know that she's wildly loved by God because a girl with this type of secure um, and sure foundation of love in her life, then she can begin learning early on what drama really is. Like usually the source of drama is someone feeling unloved, like they don't belong, or even they might feel threatened. And we all know this isn't just a young girl thing, right? Mm, amen. <laughs> as, as big girls create drama too. And, and for the same reasons, even as young girls. And I've just been thinking lately about what would happen in the future of the church if we taught and we modeled to young girls what it means to know that we are loved. And so then we're living out of the fullness of the, that love that the father has for us. And then we're loving other people that way. And, and that's how I think they can become drama defeaters. They can learn early on. I, I loved seeing, especially in my youngest daughter, 
she had discernment when she was like eight, like she would just spot it. And she, she would say, you know why she's acting that way It's because she doesn't feel like she fits in and they, they can, they can become discerners um, very, very early. So I think they can become drama defeaters. I absolutely agree. I remember when my daughter was about the same age and she had a little girl in her youth group at church or her small group who was sort of acting out to everyone and wasn't very kind. And she came to me one night and she said, you know what, mom, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that she just doesn't get a lot of love at home. Mm. And, and so this is her way of getting attention. And so she used her own allowance money to buy this girl, a book called who am I, um, that talks about your worth and value in Christ and gave it to her as a gift. And I don't know the end of that story, but, but I would like to believe that God was able to use that in this girl's life to just make her feel so loved and valued and, and have worth. And, and I agree. I think um, our daughters can learn that discernment when they're really young, especially if, if hopefully it's modeled by us big girls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Well, the third thing um, that I believe that uh, an advantage that a girl has who knows she's loved that is that she can be a faithful friend. First John 4, 7 tells us, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So the basis for being a faithful friend, a loving friend is knowing God. So when she knows love himself, then that puts an investment of love in her heart. So she has the currency to turn around and pour that love out into her friends. You know, I know on some days, um, my personal well of love is awfully shallow. You know, it feels like it can run dry really quickly. But when I soak in and take in his love from me, then it fills me with the love that I have to give to others. And I think that the the same is true with the girls. It's just like what he told us in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. When number four is that a girl can become a confident creation. I think that confidence can be one of the most misunderstood traits for Christian women. Don't you guys? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it can be um, like, it can be seen within the, the church as being similar to like arrogance or pride, but that's not it at all. Like Christ's confidence comes when we have full trust and a firm belief in God's power and God's trustworthiness and, and God's reliability. And so when we instill in our girls that their confidence comes from Christ and, and that it's not based on their performance, then it's a confidence they can build that they can never lose or have taken from them. You know, um, especially if we are encouraging our kids to be risk takers, their performances are not always going to be successful. That just comes with, with taking risks. But their confidence doesn't have to tank because they failed, again, because that confidence comes from Christ. I, I'm just thinking of um, a lot of kids right now going through COVID and, and th just the confidence they might have even in their academics. You know, this is a different way to learn. And some of them might not always be, you know, kids who can learn real well over an internet, you know. Um, but if they can have their confidence built, you know, Christ, your confidence is in Christ and he loves you and your performance can't increase his love for you and his performance can't take away any of his love for you. And the fifth one is that 
um, a girl who knows she's loved is protected by his presence. Like we talked about earlier, there is a layer um, I think of it almost as like a shield around a girl that's a layer of protection when she knows that she's loved. And, and that layer doesn't mean that nothing bad is going to happen to her ever. But it does mean that when she experiences trouble, like Jesus promised us, right? John 16, 33 said, in this life, you will have trouble. That even when she hits that trouble, that God's presence is there with her and he can help her turn around that trouble and he can actually use that for good in her life. Absolutely. Amen. And that's such a good truth that because she will experience trouble, you know, Jesus promised us that, but even in that he will never leave her or forsake her. She can take that to the bank. So good. And those small things that happen um, I shouldn't say small because that sounds dismissive, but the things that happen to a, in a young girl's life are building her faith muscles for mm -hmm. belief and trust in God in some later harder things. And that's really mm -hmm. how faith is grown. It's, it's little increment by little increment steps of trust in this unseen God. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really good. So I am wondering, Lynn, because I'm going to be honest, I, I am a people pleaser by nature. I am a recovering legalist and I feel like, and this, this was not put on me by others. I, I completely own all of this. I feel like I uh, lived my childhood um, from a very performance based system of affirmation. You know, I do this and, and I please people, I get affirmation. So I'm wondering how we can model that unconditional love, the father's unconditional love to our kids while avoiding this growing sort of um, performance-based idea in their head that I am loved when I do X, Y, Z. You know, the first thing, Jamie, when you said that, that came to me was when I roll up into a, a parking lot of the grocery store and I see the bumper sticker that says, you know, my child is on the honor roll at blah, 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 blah school. You know, when did it become such a thing that we as parents take so much pride in our kids' performance? I think that as we, um, you know, the whole saying mini me, you know, it's like um, we have we have come to this place in our culture where as parents, we take some of our identity from our kids and what pressure that puts on them, you know, is not only do they have their own inner pressure, but now they've got the pressure from their parents to perform as well. And I think that as parents, part of us showing unconditional love to them is not putting so much emphasis on their performance. Um, I was having a conversation last weekend with my, my middle daughter, Mariah, just asking her some questions about growing up. And she said, you know, one of the things that, that you did was um, when we got to high school was you had a hands-off approach. So I didn't check report cards. I didn't check in and ask them, did you do your homework? Because in my opinion, um, what happened in those years was going to impact them. If they wanted to go to college, then they could get the grades that they needed. It, it was, that was their responsibility. Um, and Mariah was just sharing with me, um, by you doing that, it, it taught me um, that whether I did well or whether I didn't do well, it wasn't going to really impact how you saw me. It was really for my own benefit or lack of benefit. 
Um, so I think that's one way that we can model unconditional love is to really kind of um, back off a little bit on the things that do come with a grade or do come with a performance um, and let them do as well or not do as well as they determine. Um, again, because I think that that it doesn't create the um, the impression of how you do determines how I feel about you or how I see myself because you're your own person. I think too, sometimes we're, our, our easy go-tos of affirmation and praise are linked to an outcome, you know, our feelings about something tangible and measurable, how they did on something, the, mm -hmm. uh, a product, a completed project, a job well done. But if we're only ever encouraging our kids in the results of something, mm -hmm. we're sort of reinforcing that try hard gospel and maybe inadvertently encouraging this people pleasing atmosphere. Instead, I think we also need to affirm their effort, you know, their initiative, their courage to try, even if they fail, um, because they, our love for them should not be linked to an outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's just so easy to make this mistake, to make them think that, you know, if you would just read your Bible more, or memorize more scripture, or volunteer for that ministry, or get better grades, or do any one of a million things, God will be happier with you, or I, as your mom, will be happier with you. You know, if you have that child that already has a perfectionist bent, this is a dangerous road to travel because they're going to try to fulfill all those things in order to please you. You have to be very prayerful and very careful here and really pray about what you're requiring of your child because it's a danger zone and it's going to cause a lot of problems down the road. Let them know it's fine to want to work to be better, but no one is perfect and you love them as they are. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a dangerous road. It's a slippery slope. If you've got one of those kids, and I had one of those children that she is a people pleaser. She is a, she is a perfectionist. She's that, you know, that, that type that just wants, wants you to like her and wants, wants to do what's going to please you. And it, and I had to be really careful because you put that on her, she'll do it just, just to make you happy. And it's like, I, I can't, I can't do that to her because I'm not that way. I'm not a people. I mean, I want people to like me. I'm a people pleaser, but not in that way not in the way that she is. I had to really be careful with her, with raising her. So just be careful, moms. Just know your child. And if they're that way, don't put a lot a lot on them because they're going to try and they're going to do it all through their life. And, it, and then it just becomes a trap. And it can bleed over into so many areas, you know, not yeah. just in their performance, but also in their appearance, you know, especially right. as girls. Um, if we model for our child a perfectionistic um, way that we feel like we have to look or our body has to be, they're paying attention to all the things, not just the things we say, but just the way we live. Oh, yes. It can, it can go over into weight and into how we, oh, absolutely. That can be a huge trap. Yeah. And even more so in their opinion of God's opinion of them, you know, if we're the authority voice in their life and, and we're supposed to be modeling the love of the father, they, they then can view his opinion of them and their performance in the way that we are viewing their, their performance, you know, yeah. it's many layers. Yeah. So why do we want to be careful to not convey that love is performance-based? 
you know, just as we've been saying, um, the father's love toward us is not performance based. I mean, we are saved by grace, period. It's not um, uh, Jesus's death on the cross for me plus anything. It's only Jesus. Um, and so our love for our children needs to be the same. And that's why it's so important for us to have this daily interactive communion with God all day long, because we are human. And, and the only way that we can convey that love to anyone in our life is to be receiving that love all day long from the father. So we can turn around and give that. Um, otherwise, you know, if I look at the relationships in my life, all of them could be performance-based. You know, if my husband woke up today and said, you know, um, I still love being married to you, you know, through 33 years later, well, then he performed, right? He told me the thing I wanted to say. And so I love him. But what if he, you know, doesn't tell me something kind for a few days, then, you know, am I done? All of our relationships, um, we need to just be careful to not convey that they're, they're performance-based. They're, we love you. Um, you are loved because God created you and God loves everyone that he has created. Everyone, period. Amen. I mean, if I didn't cook dinner for my husband for three nights in a row, is he going to stop loving me? I don't think so. I mean, I don't hear from my daughter every day. She doesn't call me up every day, but I know she still loves me. You know, my grandkids, they're little. They can't do anything for me other than play with me or come sit on my lap. You know, they can't perform for me. There's, it's, it's crazy the way we, the way we sometimes think it's, it's really funny when you, when you come, when you really think about it, it's kind of funny what we expect of people. When my daughter was growing up, I tried hard to help her understand that God adored her unconditionally. She knew from an early age that the Lord loved her and had a plan for her. I instilled in her that God had a dream for her, that she was on this planet for a reason, and that we would help her figure out that reason together. We would speak the word over her and remind her together we would partner with God to figure it all out, and we did. Mama, you know your children better than anyone else. And with God's help, you can equip them to be all he called and created them to be. It's up to us to equip them to figure out and go after their dreams. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. These treasured words teach that we have the responsibility. We have to do the training. We will see the way they should go. God will clearly show it to us and we will lead them in that way. We are honored to have Lynn Cowell with us today, and I hope you will check out her new book, Loved and Cherished, 100 Devotionals for Girls. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today, and we would be thrilled if you would take just a minute and rate us on iTunes and maybe give us a review. It helps other moms find us. Bless you, and thank you for listening to the Mom to Mom podcast.